You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, Kraken fans? Welcome to episode number 21, a.k.a. Alex Wenberg of Keeping Up With The Krakens, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings. Use promo code THPN for exclusive offers. This is your co-host, Tyler Bell, coming from the Rocky Mountains of Alberta, Canada. And once again, just like always, joined by fellow co-host of the pod, Alec Durham. How are you doing today, Alec, on this Super Bowl Sunday weekend today? Not too bad, man. I mean, uh, you know, can't too, too bad on the weekend getting together for the, not going to watch too much football, never been that much into the sport, but got to get together with the boys, have a couple of drinks, maybe get a little fucked up and devour some finger food. How about you? Not too, too bad. I am, uh... I'm kind of in recovery mode right now, not going to lie. Kind of got in one last night watching uh, uh, UFC 271. Uh, So, yeah, I had a few beers last night, feeling it this morning. I know last pod uh, we were sharing a couple couple pops. This time I'm sticking with the Gatorade. So, uh, you know, got to do a bit of a change-up, hopefully get recovered. And, yeah, I think I'm on board with you there with – you know, maybe getting some wings, a couple guys coming over, going to enjoy the game. You know, the one time each year I end up watching a football game, so you might as well make it a big event and enjoy it, right? Excited for the halftime show this year. Oh, yeah, dude. I am pumped for the halftime show this year. Um, It's going to be a good one, eh? Like a bit of a throwback with, uh, you know, we got Eminem in there. We got Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg's in there as well, right? Yeah, my childhood's just ready to go. Oh, I, I honestly, those those are just all my daily daily guys I listen to on the playlist, anyways. So, um, no, I'm pumped. I'm I'm pumped to see Eminem in it too. Uh, it's been a while since just probably a lot of those guys have performed in front of big uh, groups, you know, especially with COVID and everything. So, I'm pumped to see that halftime show and. I got to ask you, just because it is Super Bowl Sunday, who are you picking in the game? Fuck if I know. I'll go with Joe Burrow. <laughs> yeah, the, I think I have to, right? Go with the Bengals on that one. Um, everybody else seems to be picking the Bengals. Um, yeah, that that guy's a stud, right? He was drafted only a couple years ago. 
quarterback. I think he was injured too. One of his first seasons there. Uh, maybe it was his second season. And this is his third, but either way, um, he just cool, calm, collected sick style on the guy. Um, how can you not root for a guy like that? Is his second season. I think he lost like most of his rookie year. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Um, yeah. It, it, I mean, walking into the, the NFL as a fresh quarterback like that, uh, at a college, like, I mean, it, it's almost next to impossible to, to dominate your first season. So, um, you know, chances are you're on a pretty bad team, but it seems like the Bengals turned turned things around quite quickly, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, if you're going for the Super Bowl, obviously you turn things around. Yeah, uh, but yeah, we got an exciting podcast here to talk about. Uh, lots of NHL topics that have been going on as of uh, recent, recently, so we're going to touch base on some of those topics right off the bat, um, and then we're going to look over the last two games the Kraken played against Arizona and Anaheim last week. Uh, and then we'll take a look at uh, some games ahead. They're going on a bit of a Canadian tour, playing some Canadian teams. So uh, pretty excited for those matchups, of course, us being Canadians. Uh, it's always fun to watch those Canadian teams in action. And then we're going to end this podcast off with a bit of a prospect update because uh, there's been some noise with some of their top picks uh, and making some good noise, that is. So uh, pretty excited for this one. But let's jump right into uh, some NHL topics. First things off the bat, the NHL has begun planning for a World Cup of Hockey that would take place in February 2024. Give me your thoughts on this. Are you excited or what? I love it. I'd be so amped. I love how they're doing it in the two-year interval between the Winter Olympics as well. Yeah, I love that because it kind of breaks things up between the years. So I think that timing is perfect. And interesting how uh, uh sounds like they're going to plan it for the, the same time that Olympics would be, would be uh, right in that February time slot, I'm assuming. So interesting uh, choice to like where they want to put it. Uh, super excited though. I'm pumped to have that back and I'm interested to see if they have any of those created teams they had in in uh, the 2016 one where they had team north america and team europe uh what was it the 23 and under all-star north american team so uh pretty excited to see uh what they do there yeah man i hope they do something like that again because i got to go see a couple exhibition games and i got to see that team north america play live and it was so much fun seeing matthews just getting dished over from mcdavid for a tap in it's like oh you won't see that again ever no, you, you go through the list of players on that team and it, it's absolutely gross. All the young talent that was on that team, looking back at it, it, it is just phenomenal. Like you think about those two guys you mentioned and then Nathan McKinnon on top of it as well. Like, just give me a break. That's just ridiculous. Uh, and then to see them going off against the best in the world. Uh, you know, that's, it's such a treat for hockey fans. So, um, pretty excited that they're already in talks to bring the world cup of hockey back. Um, and I can understand, you know, why they're maybe pushing it, uh, a little bit ahead too. I think you make a great point. It goes right in between the two Olympics. And not only that, maybe they're more comfortable with pushing it all the way into 2024 and hoping this whole COVID thing is, uh, pretty set aside by them and, uh, by then and won't affect it at all. Yeah, I think that's a good thinking too. get it out, get it long term to get everything set and in place and what they want to do. And 
whatever gimmick teams, if you want to call them that, they want to put in. I think they're pretty sweet. Team Europe was cool. I mean, they didn't play a fun, exciting game, but the Islanders seem to win up till now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I I can't wait for it. Um, I'm assuming it's going to be held somewhere in North America. And um, last time they did it, did they not play exhibition games in the States and Canada and kind of move it around a bit before it settled in uh, Toronto there? Yep. Yeah, the two games I got to watch were uh, back-to-back games in Pittsburgh there. Canada, Russia, and... Oh, no kidding. You were in Pittsburgh Under 23 versus... I don't remember. I was just so excited to see the under twenty three team. It that under that yeah that under twenty three or twenty three and under I forget whatever it was. Um, when they faced Sweden and that went to overtime, oh. that probably was one of the best hockey games I think I've ever seen in my life. And that three on three was so crazy, it, like it was just insane. And then the way it ended with Nathan McKinnon's goal, one of the nicest little sneaky toe drags and beating. Uh, you know, one of the best goalies in the league at that time at the top of his game, uh, Henrik Lundqvist there, um, that arena exploded. That was such a special moment. That has to be the best three on three overtime period I've ever watched. I agree, man. It was, it was insane. And I can't wait for more moments like that to come out of a world cup of hockey. Cause um, you know, it sucks not being able to have the NHL players at this one. So um and the other shitty part is it's in China. So, you know, most of the games are at four in the morning or, you know, roughly around there, depending on, um, you know, where you're living. But that also makes it pretty difficult to to get into it as well. Yeah, I remember we were talking about it at work the other day. My dad and uncle were all excited because the uh, Canada game was at 11 o'clock at night. They're like, fuck, I might stay up for that. Yeah, they were both out before the game started yeah yeah that tends to happen when uh, when it's at those time slots but uh moving on here just a quick uh shout out to cammy granado who was originally hired by the kraken as the first ever female nhl scout so that was a huge deal i believe that happened back in september of 2019 and uh she has now uh been hired as the new assistant gm for the vancouver canucks so just a big shout out to her and and what does that mean for um just the growth of women in in hockey and in the pro hockey world and you know what that means uh for the nhl and for all these uh all these women coming up and you know being able to get a slot and being able to you know, become big roles in, you know, GMs and front offices and management. And, you know, you know, it's only a matter of time, I think, before there's a female GM in uh, the world of hockey. So uh, in the NHL, that is, uh, I believe there is some already in the world of hockey. But well, yeah, just take me through what that means, man. I mean, it's definitely going to push doors down for the opportunity for a lot of other women to get those chances too, because for some reason, nobody ever really wants to be the first one to do it, to be the guy that hired the women for that position. But now that it's happened, I think you're going to see it happen more and more and more. People become more comfortable with it. Yeah, it's such a joke of a of a thing that, the, you know, just the way you're talking about it there. Like, there shouldn't be any kind of stigma or anything behind it. You know, the females are just as equipped as, as males or any, anybody else uh, out there who, you know, 
can take hold of these positions and do them well and do their job fantastically. And, you know, I'm just pumped to see uh, Cami Granado getting the, getting the opportunity to become a assistant GM. And uh, I think she has a pretty good shot at becoming a GM one day in the NHL. So a uh, shout out to her. That's an awesome moment and awesome for, you know, all the young uh, girls out there who could look up to that and, and get inspired by it. So, so stick taps there. That's a pretty awesome moment. Yeah, for sure. And it looks like the Arizona Coyotes may in fact be playing at Arizona State University uh, for the next three seasons. Uh, so what do you think about that? That That's pretty crazy here. It's It sounds like that's what's going on. And uh, they're basically going to play there until their new arena is built, but it, it hasn't even like that whole process hasn't even started yet. So that whole arena situation is still just trying to be figured out. So um, crazy to think an NHL team playing uh, at a college or a university facility like that. Right. Yeah. I'd like to see two things happen with this one. They have to be called the Arizona state coyotes now. And they have to change their acronym on the scoreboard to ASU. That would be pretty cool. I like it. it it's going to be interesting uh, having an NHL team uh, in a 5,000 seat arena. Uh, so it, it's going to be wild. And I just can, can imagine like being at that school and thinking on oh, NHL teams playing at your school. Uh, that's got to be pretty exciting for those students. No. Yeah, I mean, it kind of depends on how they price the tickets because they're still going to want to make their money somehow. So if they're going to have limited seat capacity, they might jack the prices up a little bit. But if it goes from 14 to $25, is anyone really going to care? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say, fuck, if they're pushing 40 or 50 bucks for the best seats, like if you think about it, that's still a pretty damn good deal. And Arizona get a chance to sell out a building for once. So uh, the Coyotes got to be pretty pumped about that too, no? Right. For the first time, a Coyote player is going to look up and see all the people crowded together. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's going to be interesting um, getting all these uh, teams kind of coming there and playing their games and getting a feel for that atmosphere too. It, uh, it's going to be interesting for sure uh, how that's all going to play out. But nonetheless, whatever, it is what it is. If that's what keeps the Coyotes in the league, then sure. I mean, personally... Would I rather see them get moved somewhere? Most, yeah. Yeah, I think I would. I think a lot of fans probably would too. It, it kind of feels like they're just doing anything possible to keep this team in the NHL. And I, I don't know. Sometimes you just got to move on from those things. But they're deciding to go this route. And it's going to be an interesting one to go down. So, it, you know, time will tell. I don't get it. Atlanta was allowed to have two teams that both failed before they relocated. And Arizona's just, no, you have to keep this one. Yeah, like they can't even, you know, struggling just to find a place to stay. The other interesting thing is, you know, Arizona State University is still going to be playing all their games there. And uh, the Coyotes are going to have to work around their schedule. And that pretty much means that, you know, Arizona State's home games, they're pretty much, you know, Friday, Saturdays. Uh, so, it's not going it, to, I don't know, it's going to be really weird trying to work around each other's schedules like that. It is what it is, though. The Coyotes, it's just another kind of laughing stock uh, a little bit. But uh, like we said, it is what it is. So uh, we'll just roll with that. But uh, moving on, Brad Marchand, 
suspended six games for you know pushing the head of Trishan Jari around, kind of bullying him a bit. Uh, he now holds the record for most individual suspensions in NHL history. How wild is that? I didn't realize he was up to so many with eight. Like, yeah, sure. I knew he was around five or so, a good handful, but eight, dude, that's quite a bit. Dude, I had no idea he was that close to uh, holding that kind of record now. And uh, who was it he passed? It was Chris Pronger, who was uh, yeah. the last holder of that. Yeah. So whenever you're passing a guy like Chris Pronger for this and you still have what, five more solid years at least um, for Brad Marchand, maybe a couple more than that. All depends, you know, how things roll for him. He's going to continue to add on to that record, no? Oh, for sure. I thought the funniest fact was it's going from a guy who was like 6'8", tough as shit, just monster defenseman to 5'9", and just an absolute pain in the ass. Yeah, pain in the ass and... Uh, you know, really, really adding and, you know, putting to towards his name of, you know, the King rat out there uh, is what Brad Marchand is doing here. So, okay, let's get back to that play, though, for a second. Is that six games worthy? I'm going to agree with Marchand. I think it's history based. I don't think that's six games worthy. I think it was stupid, like he said, kind of, you know, yep. brain dead, you could say. But <laughs> yep, I'd have probably gone with two or three i mean it's just a play where you don't see too often and the whole just putting the stick up in the face is kind of like what are you doing now you know yeah you're just kind of asking for it at that point but six games for that and then you look at what aaron dell did to batherson and he gets half that i was like that is that's a bit of a joke but um i'm i'm kind of okay with it because the guy i play next week in fantasy hockey has brad marchand so i think i'm uh i think i'm gonna be okay with it for that week you son of a bitch it benefits you so it's all right (laughs) where's the stability in the world i don't know i don't know but uh i kind of have to thank him for that so um moving right along though um still more to talk about here Here's an interesting one. Martin St. Louis officially named interim head coach of the Montreal Canadiens after they fire uh, Dominic Ducharme there. Give me your thoughts on this one. Who saw that one coming? Because I sure shit didn't. I mean, I I think I like it just from watching the little clips and press conferences and some of the stuff. But it is going to be a hell of a challenge going from your kid's peewee team to coaching Montreal Canadiens. That's quite the jump. I can't, I can't imagine any other coach has ever done that in history, going from a peewee uh, AAA team or like what, basically under 13, under 14 team there to uh, coaching an NHL team. Here's the interesting thing, though. You know, they, they basically said it's just until the end of the season uh, and then they're going to reevaluate, go from there. So I like how it, you know, it's giving St. Louis uh, a bit of, a chance to really get a feel for the NHL and, you know, get, just get some experience under his toes there. And the, the one point uh, I think is important to kind of make here. Cole Caulfield talked about it in an interview, how this is a guy he idolized playing up uh, or growing up, looking at his, you know, the way he played and kind of idolized his game around a guy like Martin St. Louis, you know, both pretty small guys, very high skill sets. Um, 
So I wonder if this is a way that the Montreal Canadiens front office wants to get a guy like Martin St. Louis uh, in that position, even if it's just for the end of the season here or the rest of the season and really help continue to develop a guy like Cole Caulfield, who should be one of the biggest pieces of this Montreal Canadian team going forward. Do you think there's a, there's a reason why it's St. Louis coming in there? Do you think that has any play in it trying to develop Cole Caulfield and, you know, maybe this is a bit of uh, an opportunity to do that in a season that's definitely lost for the Montreal Canadiens. I don't know if they looked at it as in a, he needs to develop one specific player, but I'm sure they looked at it as St. Louis could be the guy to help develop their young core the best and come up and with deal with the rigors and challenges of being a pro hockey player and going from a, you know, a slightly undersized player. Cause a lot of their star players are smaller guys, you know, Suzuki Gallagher, um, Caulfield, and you are seeing it pay off a little bit already. I mean, Caulfield's got two goals in the last two games, and he had won this whole season up till now. They're playing Buffalo today, so we'll see if he's able to keep that going too. But the fact that you're able to go from one to three in just 60 or 120 minutes, that's pretty good. It's a nice impact already. Bit of a relief on the kid's back too. Yeah, and not only him joining, but I think uh, there's a bit of a rumor of uh, like Vincent LeCavier might, might be joining this team in some kind of role as well. So they're just bringing all the, all the players back uh, to build some, try to build something special in Montreal there. So uh, definitely uh, interesting to see that develop. They're going to sign Chris Letang this off season and have him be the first player coach in 80 years. <laughs> hey, Chris, you want to run the D? Yeah. Like, do you mean, when I'm playing 45 minutes a night, I'm like, sure, do whatever you want. <laughs> Time will tell. He's going to be a, a big UFA if he doesn't get a deal signed with uh, with Pittsburgh there. Probably one of the biggest names on the market. So, uh, And, you know, French connection there. So, you know, I'm sure Montreal is going to be uh, one of the top teams on his list, I would imagine, especially after everything that Latang has done in his career and the cups he's won. I uh, wonder if he does decide to take on a leadership role like that with a, you know, a team who is right at the bottom of, uh, you know, everything with Montreal right now, they have to start fresh. So that'll be an interesting one to watch. I like that connection though. Well, he's from there. I think he was born in Montreal and their new used to be like his best friend and agent. Mm -hmm. So could very well happen. That's for Oops. sure. Um, yeah, let's end some of this news with uh, some really uh, some, some important news because we're getting into the Seattle Kraken stuff. And uh, this might be the most important uh, thing that has happened over the past week. Philip Grubauer has switched back to his true pads. What's your thoughts on this, Durham? I don't like it. Man was on a roll. He was doing well. The fuck's going on? Right after last podcast, when we mentioned that uh, he's going to roll the rest of the season in those Colorado uh, CCM pads, so uh, and then he switches just like that. I don't know, man. I don't know. We'll see how the pads play. Obviously, uh, time will tell on that one. But uh, definitely interesting to now see him jump back to his true pads. So we'll see how he does in those pads now. I wonder uh, if we see one more switch before the season's end. Oh, we're tracking that rest of the year now 100 that is getting tracked every day 
And uh, the Kraken also picked up another player off of waivers. Uh, they managed to grab Austin Cesarnik from the New York Islanders. Um, give me your thoughts on this pickup uh, and what he brings to the team. Well, he brings a little bit of, you know, a bit of grit. Then uh, he's able to bring, uh, you know, some nice hands too. I'm sure you'll see in uh, the highlights there in the one game. Nice dish over to Donato too for the one T. We'll talk about that later though. And uh, could bring him a little bit of offense, you know, 44 points in 132 or so games. So about a point every three games. Yeah, pretty good. 137 games there, um, close to it. But yeah, uh, he's got five, well, he's got six points in 12 games so far this year uh, for NHL games. And, you know, he does seem to play that style that the Kraken play. He's very feisty, tenacious guy. A uh, bit on the smaller side there. He, he almost reminds me of a Yanni Gord style player. Um, you know, he's up there in age right now. He's, he's 29 years old. So um, it's not like he's a guy who's who's young and going to develop. But he, he definitely, uh, you know, brings that kind of element to his game of that tenacious style player, almost like a Honey Badger style player. So um, I like it. It's a good pickup. And he looked really good in that first game. So um, excited to see what he brings to the lineup. Yeah. It's going to be neat to see how he fits in going forward. I mean, especially after a debut like that. Oh yeah. hundred um, percent. Yeah. And, and he was slotted in the third line, I believe. So he, he got a pretty good chance right off the bat and he, 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 he looked impressive and yeah. Happy to have him on the, on the squad for sure. And, and yeah, not only that, but uh, the, the Kraken skills competition kind of took place yesterday. Um, we didn't have an opportunity to watch it at all. It wasn't being streamed. Um, we were able to pick up a, a bit of things just on Twitter there, of, of you know, just some tweets going around of what kind of happened. So kind of talk us through some of the bigger things that happened in the Kraken skills competition. Well, we'll start off with uh, the big draft there. You know, they split up the goalies, Dreger and Grubauer. And uh, first overall goes Will Borgen, who absolutely paid off in the shooting accuracy, just wiring them for 17 seconds, taking down targets. Actually, Dreger's team kind of kicked ass there. They went, they had three guys go 17 seconds, 18 seconds, and 19 seconds. And all three of them would have been first on Grubauer's team. Oops. Whoa. And uh, that uh, shooting accuracy, it was a bit different setup than, uh, you know, the, the style we're used to seeing in the NHL All-Star game, correct? Yeah, they had a whole bunch of targets spread out around the net there in kind of prime scoring areas where you'd want, you know, just over the pad on both sides, just beside the goalie's ear. Make him hear it right in the corner up top. And the one interesting thing is they kind of moved around a bit as they were shooting. It wasn't just, you know, the same uh, position in the slot there. It looked like they're moving around, uh, getting different angles, and then ended it off uh, shooting from the blue line. Yeah, mixing in some of the D point shots there. So, you know, that was kind of neat to see a different concept I hadn't even thought of before. I liked that. That's cool how they kind of switched it up. And then, yeah, they had a couple fun uh things going on too what else was going on for it oh they had a weird little puck juggling one you know they got some of the kids in there from around giordano's kid won the breakaway challenge they had a couple of junior skaters come in for the fastest lap and then uh they also had the hardest shot again and no surprise morgan geeky 98 mile an hour cannon he takes yeah that was that was the big thing out of the event was uh 
I think the hardest shot that really made the most noise out of it all. Uh, 98 mile an hour shot for Morgan Geeky. Uh, that's pretty damn impressive. I would love to see this guy continue to shoot more though. I, I think that's one thing we haven't seen enough out of Morgan Geeky's game is, is getting more shots on net, right? Yeah. I mean, he's got a laser. He showed it off quite a bit at the start of the year. So hopefully he can get back into that groove where he walks in down in the middle of the ice and just lets him go on net. Keywords there are on net. Yeah. Yeah. Because he has let some bombs go that just, um, you know, end up being howitzers bouncing off the glass and kind of not making its way to the net. But I mean that right there, when you, when you see those numbers of 98 mile an hour shot led the team in the events there, um, this guy has to find a way to get more shots on net and and maybe something like that adds a bit more confidence into his game going forward. And he does start, you know, shooting the puck more, just, you know, little things like that. They could just instill confidence in a person, you know, when an event like that and kind of turns things around for your, for yourself. So time will tell, but yeah, pretty, pretty cool that they put on their own uh, skills comp and they had a bunch of uh, pretty good ideas. I think, I think they had a race too of putting on equipment, uh, there was a, ta- a stick taping race as well, I believe. So, you know, it, it looked like they put on a pretty fun event for the fans. So, um, if you were there, I'm sure you had a pretty awesome time with that whole experience. And then I believe they ended it off with a little three on three as well. So, uh, all around sounded like a pretty cool event. It was just too bad. Uh, we didn't really get a chance to watch any of it. Just a couple clips here and there on Twitter, but, uh, it's kind of the way it is sometimes, right? That's just the way it is. <laughs> All right. <laughs> moving moving ahead here, though. Uh, the Kraken played two games last week, starting it off with a game against Arizona. Ended up being a 5-2 loss. And let's just jump right into this game and some of the notes from it uh, because it was the Kraken's first game in a whole week uh, coming out of the All-Star break there. So, uh Tough one there, but Grubauer got the nod in the game. Um, so, yeah, just a rough start for the Kraken in the game, really. Uh, it looked pretty rusty uh, early on. And I guess, you know, after the week off, you kind of expect that uh, right at, right out of the gate. So I, I can understand it. But we'd see Larson with a very sloppy turnover uh, right to a wide-open Phil Kessel. And he just shimmy shakes his way around Grubauer, and he has a nice easy tuck in uh, for the early lead for the Yotes in this one. Yeah, I mean, Phil Kessel doesn't really do much anymore, but if you give him a gimme like that, he's going to walk it in. He had a good start of the year, but I think he kind of slowed down, but that's an easy one for him. And I mean, after that goal, it kind of looked like the Kraken settled in and started to find a few good offensive chances. The best one coming from Yanni Gord actually just missed a great A chance to tie the game. Yeah, that was a good chance there. Um, but yeah, like you said, uh, obviously Phil Castle isn't the same, uh, Phil, the thrill as you've seen in the past. Uh, he's up there in age now, but, uh, anytime you have an opportunity like that with that first, uh, goal, Phil Castle, one of the best goal scorers in the last 10 seasons, you know, if you go look at his goal scoring numbers, they're still pretty ridiculous. So he's not going to mess that chance up. you right. No, he's pretty good and tight. Hmm. Yeah, and I thought uh, that line of of Gord, Yarncroc, and Appleton—they're buzzing in that first period, weren't they? 
Yeah, they certainly created a lot of opportunities for themselves using their speed and driving the net well, creating space. It was good luck for them in the first period. We'll see if they can create more going in later into the game. Yeah, and uh, honestly, if it wasn't for Grubauer too, like Arizona, they could have e- easily been up uh, at 3 nothing at one point with a couple of their chances. And uh, it could have easily been 1-1 as well. But uh, the Kraken just couldn't seem uh, to beat the post in that first period. Vince Dunn, he rung one off the pipe after walking in and ripping a lethal shot, low blocker. And then even Giordano, he rung one off the pipe too uh, before the first 20 minutes were over. So uh, bounces just kind of weren't going the Kraken's way uh, in the first period. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, not much puck luck there for the boys. And then they'd start off the second with a power play that carried over from the end of the first, which they didn't score on. But the best looking power play they've had in a while. So, you know, five shots on net, but it felt like Vojmelka was just solid for Arizona. Oh man, he was, it was crazy. And then you, once again, right after that happened, we had another horrible turnover from Larson. Don't know what was going on with him this game, but it led to another a plus chance and Phil, uh, the hot dog eating thrill, uh, once again, had a great opportunity, but uh, he actually fanned on it on a wide open net. So uh, it's funny. We talked about how he doesn't miss those chances and then he just misses that chance. So uh, he, he's getting older. So maybe he didn't have a hot dog before that game. Uh, so he couldn't pot the second goal. But um, Jordan Eberly and Marcus Johansson, they would hook up for a slick two on one chance. And Eberly is just absolutely robbed by Valmalka there. Um, who like who is this guy? He was unbelievable in this game, uh, and he played the night before against Vancouver, and now he's just stealing this game too. It was just unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I don't know where the guy played before coming up, but he got Arizona and was just like, yeah, the the net's mine now, guys. I'm gonna just take care of this. Yeah, and uh, considering he has to face 35, 40, 45 shots every night, um. I mean, obviously, that's great for his development. I I don't even know who this guy is. I've never heard of this goalie. So uh, to watch him put on a clinic like that, it was pretty impressive. Felt like a World Junior game. Who the hell is Benjamin Cons? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Um, and then with five minutes left in the second, the Kraken with an, another piss-poor turnover. That led to a two-on-one against, uh, and Nick Schmaltz keeps it. Let's one fly past Grubauer's glove. That would give the Yotes a 2-0 lead in the game. Yeah, and that one kind of, you know, came off the tip of the glove there. And I know we're only in this situation because Grubauer put his true pads back on. If he's got his other pads on, that goes in the mitt. He saves it, guaranteed. I think so, too. It has absolutely nothing to do with the pads on the play, but I just have that feeling that if he had his other his CCM pads on, that, that would have been a stop. And then what would we see there? Dunn went off to the box, too, after getting walked by Kessel and is forced to hook Phil before getting uh, the NHL version of getting postered, right? So he kind of had to take that hook there on Phil the Thrill. But the Kraken do manage to kill it off, and they give give themselves a real chance to still kind of win the game. Yeah, I mean, it's always tough when you're down 2 nothing while out shooting your opponent, which the Kraken were doing 24-18 to 18 after 40 minutes. So at least that gives you a little bit of hope going into the third. You get one, you get revitalized, you get another. Now it's a tie game, and anything can happen. 
Exactly. And what a crazy start to the third period it was because we would see Colin Blackwell just walk in just 16 seconds into the third with a perfect snipe top shelf uh, for the first ever shorthanded goal at Climate Pledge Arena. That was coming off a penalty that was, uh, you know, just about to end that had carried through from the second period. So uh, what a beautiful shot by Colin Blackwell there. Yeah, I mean, that thing was absolutely labeled through the D's legs, far corner off the post. That was disgusting. Yeah, but a, a true wholesome snipe. Oh, absolutely. But what sucked was 90 seconds later, Anton Strahlman's like, oh, shit, I'll just uh, pick this up here in the slot and just tuck that in. And they got their two goal lead back. Yeah, that was a tough one, especially, again, another another cracking thing that happens a lot is giving up those goals right after you score one. And this was just an un unfortunate play, really. Hayden Flurry kind of goes down to block the shot uh, on the play there, and it just happens to bounce right down uh, to the side of him. And, you know, out of all players, Anton Strauman pinching down uh, from the blue line and just picks up that puck, puts it in. You don't really expect a guy like Strawman to be making a play like that, but he he made his way right to the net and uh, was able to bury that and given the Yotes their two-goal lead back. Yeah, and then with four minutes left, the Kraken managed to get back within a goal from a well-executed three-on-two from Wenberg, Yanni, and Yarncrock. And it's your boy boy with his eighth of the year. So cue the comeback. Oh, I wish we could have cued the comeback, but no, unfortunately not this time. Uh, as the Kraken, they they tried to get it tied up with the extra attacker, but they end up giving up back-to-back -back empty netters. End up losing both their games to the Coyotes this year. That is just tough, isn't it? I know. Like They give you a college team for your warm-up game coming back from the All-Star break, and you shit the bed. <laughs> Certified college team now, so... Um... Yeah, that's a tough one. It, it, it's funny, right? Like, one of the worst teams uh, this year, obviously, between Montreal and Arizona. They, they are by far the two worst teams. And it you, you face Arizona twice and you lose both games, but you have no problem uh, facing Florida twice and winning both of those games. It's just a weird dynamic, right? It, to me, I don't know. I get it. It was their first game back but they looked pretty dang sloppy in that game against the, the Coyotes. So it wasn't the best showing from this team. Would you feel better if the results were flipped, if they lost both games to Florida but beat the Coyotes both times, so same amount of points? That's a good question. Um, uh, I I don't know. I It instills a lot of confidence when you're beating teams like Florida uh, especially if you're going to do it twice. I don't know if there's a team out there who uh, has has done that to Florida. So I think I would rather take the wins against that. I think that just helps build confidence and, and you know, lets each other know in the, the locker room that, yeah, you can beat at any team on any given night. Um, sure, it feels good to beat Arizona, but it, you're beating Arizona. That's not a big accomplishment. So I think I'd, I'd still take the uh, – as bad as it hurts to lose against Arizona, I think I'd take the wins against the top team. I like that. I like that answer a lot. Cool. Then moving on, they played against uh, Anaheim, and this was a team they've been struggling, as we talked about in the past, um, losing both of their two previous matchups against Anaheim. So um, 
you know, just just trying to beat a divisional opponent in this one. And like we talked about, losing those last two matches, what is that, like how fired up do the guys get uh, for a matchup when when you know you've been struggling against a team and you want to break those struggles? I mean, it gets you a little bit extra fired up because you kind of got a little, like everyone's pretty competitive once you get this far in your career, right? No one's going in there just going, oh yeah, I'm just here to play a nice friendly game at the rink. Especially when these guys have had your number, you're going in there like, fuck them, not tonight. We're taking these two points. Exactly. I like that. That's definitely the mindset that you have to have going into a game like that. And of course, with Grubauer getting the last start, Drieger was in net for this one. And you know what else gets you fired up too is having a newcomer step into the lineup because uh, that's another guy who could be gunning for a position on the team next season. And that's going to make everybody else kind of you know, get their asses up for this game a little bit more. So newcomer Austin Zazarnik, he was making his Kraken debut. I know we talked about him earlier. Uh, slotting in on the third line, too, on the right wing, uh, next to Morgan Geek and Ryan Donato. I, I thought that was a, a really good makeup of a line there. I liked uh, the dynamics of that line. Yeah, it's got a bit of size and grit and some speed on the wing, too, with some bis- nice bit of scoring touch. I mean, Donato's been hot for them this year, a little bit streaky, but when he's hot, he's hot. Yeah, and of course, that wasn't the only addition back into the lineup as we'd see the big rig back in the lineup. Jamie Alexiak, after missing the last nine games with a lower body injury, so having him back, that's obviously a key to this team too, right? Yeah, getting big rig back there, that's going to be huge for the boys. Yeah, yeah, so uh, totally stoked to have him back and Kraken getting off to an early start in this game in many ways. It was the newcomer, like we talked about, like you mentioned before, his very first shift on the ice in a Kraken sweater, and he has an absolute seeing eye pass right to Donato, who one times a blast into the back of the net just two minutes into the game. Yeah, that was an absolute feat. I mean, what a start for Zarnik. That's how you make an impression early on with your new team. Yeah, your teammates are are loving seeing that for sure. And that was the the action there was not over too because off that ensuing faceoff, uh, we see Delorier and Big Rig Alexiak Alexiak drop their gloves and absolutely get after it, throwing haymakers, throwing bombs at each other. And that's two, two really big guys getting after it early in the game. Yeah. When I was watching that one later again, I mean, cause you have to watch that one more than once. It just seems like it's never going to end. You're thinking, Oh, this might tire them out. And then no, there comes six more rights from Delorier and a couple tugs from big rig and over the top and Oh, old time hockey, baby. Yeah, I loved it. That was an absolute great tilt. Probably one of the best you'll see all year with, uh, you know, Delorier is, a top five fighter in this league and he's tough as nails. And I'm sure he asked Alexiak for that fight and credit to Jamie Alexiak after missing your last nine games to injury to, you know, say, yeah, sure. Let's go. Let's drop him and step in and, and throw the mitts uh, just two minutes into your first game back. So uh, to see Alexiak do that, that means a lot, man. That's that's that takes uh that takes some serious character to do that and, and say yes to that fight. Also could be a guy itching to get back in for the last nine games. Just give me some action. 
Yeah, and that's uh, that's a quick way to get into the game right off the bat too, right? So uh, I, you love to see it, and Alexak is just an absolute warrior out there. So when you're dropping the mitts just two minutes into your first game back after nine games off from injury, you're you're an absolute weapon. So big rig, that was awesome to see. Um, what wasn't so awesome to see though was uh, the fact that the Ducks scored just 12 seconds after that fight. And they would get the game tied right back up uh, off a goal from Isaac Lund- Lundstrom there. So uh, just a just a crazy start in this hockey game. Yeah, I mean, two goals in a fight, not even three minutes into the game. You've already got your money's worth, and the next 57 minutes are bonus, baby. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And after this game would settle in a bit, uh, Vince Dunn would strike again, who shelves it for his sixth goal, uh, off another beautiful setup. And uh, this time it's that former Stanley Cup champion, Yanni Gord, uh, with his head up and he's finding Dunn sneaking in to the open ice there from the point. And that makes just makes all six ducks on the ice look a bit silly on that play. And he, he puts away a nice sneaky goal. Uh, so what'd you think of that goal from Dunn? I loved it. I mean, that was a perfect time to show his offensive instincts and jump in to open up the lane for the feed from Gord, who's had two incredible passes for assists in the last two games. Yeah, yeah, his numbers continue to climb and and look good. But now that's Vince Dunn's up to six goals now, so that means he's now tied uh, for the team lead by goals by a defenseman. He's tied with Carson Soucy there. So, yeah, it's nice to see Vince Dunn. Uh, start to put some more numbers together. He's really starting to heat up now. Yeah, and then despite being outshot 11-6, the Kraken actually had a 2-1 lead after 20. And, you know, sticks taps to Austin Sharnick, who had a hell of a first period, starts it off with an assist, and was all over the ice out there. Almost looked like a second Yanni Gord, you know. the w- I thought he was the best Kraken out there in the first. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I uh, honestly, he was everywhere on the ice in that first period. He looked fired up and you know, looked very happy to be a Seattle Kraken, um, and and we're happy to have him too. And you're right, he was so good in that first period, and uh, that's what you love to see, especially if you're uh, GM Ron Francis watching from the press box up top. Yeah, and then in the second, the Ducks tie the game with another goal from Lundstrom. I don't even know how he's able to get a shot off from that play because three Kraken players all around him and he's untouched. That's some real Kraken shit right there. That's not terrible. That's awful. Yeah, that was awful. There, There's no excuse how he's able to get that shot off. He's literally like surrounded by three players and he goes, like you said, he goes just goes untouched. Um, I, I just... I don't understand how that happens. And then the crack and shit just kept coming too. Uh, Yanni Gord gets sent off for chopping a stick in half. I mean, he, I get it. Yanni, you're upset on the play there. He was kind of complaining, but that's going to get called every time, right? Yeah, you cut someone's twig in half. I don't. It doesn't matter if you just love tap it. If it breaks, they're probably calling you. So just eat yeah. the two minutes. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? The Ducks would make the best out of their man advantage with some pretty slick puck movement between their young studs. And it's finished off by uh, Jamie Drysdale for the power play goal. And that would make it 3-2 for the quack attack. Yeah, and even how awful the Kraken were in the second period, they still managed to tie the game up with a snipe from Donato. Second of the night for the guy. Yanni Gord with an assist, but the real assist was the linesman getting in the way of the board rim. Obviously, he's a Seattle fan, right? 
he has to be a Seattle fan. That that was funny, man. Uh, I, I don't know what player it was trying to rim that puck around the boards, but yeah, it takes the bounce right off the lines, man. He almost looked like he didn't even try to get out of the, the way on it. And then, yeah, bounces right to Yanni Gord. And I think, you know, he, he just bumps it over to Donato and he just steps into that shot. And yeah, and I, like you said, absolute snipe on the play. That was beautiful. Yeah, and then uh, Seattle would actually get their first power play too after Gibson puts Gord in a chokehold for bumping him up in the crease there. Certified shift disturber just doing his thing, causing trouble out there. Yeah, it's it's uh that's a funny one. Uh, it's not too often you see that happening. Um, to me, it's like you know what goalie in the league would what I think would do something like that. I'd think like Mike Smith out of all the ones in the league right now, but he just puts him literally. Oh, Bennington. Yeah. Good call. But puts him right in a chokehold. Hey, eh? you could tell he was just getting under his grills, but yeah, he just grabbed him. I was like, man, this guy's a, this guy's doing an MMA move in the, in the middle of a hockey game here. But um, yeah, the Kraken would get a power play out of it. Um, and it would end early after geeky took a, took a hooking penalty unfortunately and then yeah it was a bit of a a weak one for either team there neither team generating a shot on their man advantage late in that second period boring <laughs> what a power play i want shots on net god damn it yeah uh just not not ones against obviously but uh it was uh going into the third it just was such a different feel to the third period it definitely definitely seemed like both teams uh looked like they just went into a defensive mindset and it kind of turned into a, a game of chess yeah it kind of felt like it at the point that neither the kraken or the ducks wanted to risk the defensive side of the puck to create offensive chances so both teams just shut her down there for a while yeah, they did. That is until with a minute 42 left in the third period, NHL All-Star Jordan Eberle calls game. And he goes roof daddy over the glove of John Gibson after receiving a beautiful pass uh, towards the front of the net from Riley Shahan. And damn, what a moment that is for Jordan Eberle. We can all take a breath, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, first goal in 22 games for Everly. The drought is over. Like you said, we can all breathe again. And just, I want to just break down what a beautiful play that was in a hole. Gets Pucks get sent over to Giordano there. And that veteran move to sell it like he's going to send it up the wall just to open up that extra couple feet in the middle of the ice for that pass to Shahan. And then that saucer. Oof. Definitely a first round pick. No kidding. Uh, you make a great point there because uh, I think that would get overlooked uh, a lot of the times. That little fake by Giordano there that, like you said, opens up the the neutral zone, the middle of the ice there, and allows Shahan to have just a few more seconds with that puck uh, in order to, you know, maybe collect his thoughts for a second and make a play over to Eberly, And then for Eberly to, you know, receive that puck, and then go far side there on Gibson right there. I mean, that all around, just a beautiful play, especially considering it was the, the winning goal in the hockey game. Uh, just, just unreal. Yeah. I mean, what a way to break such a terrible streak too, right? The longest goalless streak in Everly's NHL career. And he wins it for the crack. And as they hang on to beat the ducks four three, baby, 
Big win for the Kraken there. And like we said, third time is a charm for this one. So they do pick up a big W against an Anaheim team they've been struggling. And not only that, they still get to face this team one more time uh, this season. So they still have a chance to to even up that season series against them. So, uh, yeah. And, and again, I know we talked about Cesarnik, but uh, just going over some of the keys of the game, he looked very comfortable in that first game. Liked what he brought to the lineup. Looked great in the first period. And he was the one who got things started for the Kraken in this game. So I'm just excited to see what he'll bring to the lineup. Yeah, and Gord also had a great game as well. All over the ice with his linemate there. And then uh, didn't have um, any shots on net, you know. But he did pick up two apples, four hits, and played like a fucking honey badger out there. Yeah, yeah, he looked really good in this game, like, like you said there. And, of course, we got to give some creds to Ryan Donato with the two beautiful snipes in the game. Like, he continues to be a big part of this team, and I really hope to have him back in a Kraken sweater next season. I don't see how that'll be a problem getting this guy signed. I mean, right now, his 11 goals now puts him in third place on the team in that department. Not too bad for a guy they signed pretty late in the uh in the off season there to a minimum salary contract. Yeah. That and a guy who starts on the fourth line and in and out of the lineup at the start. And mm-hmm. it's nice to see him getting up there and kind of getting rewarded for his play. Exactly. Hoops fans. The latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill. Good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your big shot at a big payday today. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their very first deposit. So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NBA team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, welcome back, Kraken fans. Uh, we're going to go right into uh, the next thing here, which we're going to take a look at the next three games for the Kraken coming up. Like we talked about, it is the Canadian tour that they're going on, uh, facing some Canadian teams here. And they start things off with a with a February 14th matchup against Toronto-Durham. Uh, so are you excited for this one? Yeah, I mean, this is definitely going to be a fun game to watch. Unfortunately, the Leafs have kind of been buzzing as of late. Marner had that pretty big point streak and goal streak going there. He's got jumped up. Matthews is obviously being Matthews with 32 goals, 42 games. I hear that's good. Yeah, no kidding. But it does set up for a perfect opportunity on Valentine's Day. What what better to do than to watch hockey, right? Uh, that's, that's the love in my life right now is, is hockey. So... To, to watch this game on February 14th. And it's just a bonus because there's nothing I would love more than to see a victory against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Wow, I feel a little bit of a sense bias coming through here. Nope, not at all. 
no, no. sense no sense bias there i just love watching toronto lose oh oh wow. okay maybe a bit of sense bias coming through but let's be honest it sets up for a perfect opportunity like you said toronto's a, a toronto's still toronto right now they're still regular season toronto and that's pretty dominant i mean with a 30 30 wins 11 losses and three in overtime i mean that that's still a pretty sick record and they sit right up there with with um with tampa bay and florida at the top of the atlantic division so but i like it because the kraken seem to bring the facing these tough teams it seems to bring the best out of the kraken so I'm expecting a pretty good game out of this one. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it, man. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Hopefully uh, the Kraken can get some offense going too. And maybe it'll be another 4-3 game for the good guys. Yeah, exactly. So that'll be at home um, against Toronto there. And then they got two more matchups in this week coming up. The first, the other one coming on Thursday, that's back in Winnipeg. And Winnipeg, a team who... uh, more at higher expectations for them this season, but an, another game where they're looking to bounce back after a tough loss uh, against uh, Winnipeg earlier in the year where they, they dropped a three, nothing loss. So what do you, what's your expectations for this matchup? Well, I'm not really sure. Cause you know, I was one of the guys who thought that Winnipeg would be significantly better this year and they look like they're struggling and floating around 500. They only got one guy. That's a point a game. They got a couple of guys that are, close but again close doesn't get you there i just i thought there'd be more from them this year yeah especially after you uh earlier in the year you you full-on called that uh they'd get a coaching change that happened but it didn't seem like it really changed a whole lot with the team did it no they seem to be just doing the same thing i mean their penalty kill hasn't really improved they're not scoring a lot of goals Hellebuck's still being Hellebuck, but he's not getting a whole lot of help in front of him, which I thought was one of their biggest improvements this year was their D. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree there. And like you said, they just have uh, kind of the one powerhouse forward up front right now, which is Kyle Connor. And, dude, this guy already has over 200 shots on net this year. 204, I see. That's bananas. That is bananas. Uh, and, again... Uh, I'm just going to shout myself out for having him on my fantasy team because uh, I love it and he does me quite well. So thank you, Kyle Connor. Just maybe settle things down on February 17th here um, because the Kraken are going to look for a victory because they lost that 3 nothing matchup last time. So uh, we'll see kind of how that one plays out. Do you have a prediction for that game? Oh, 4-2 Seattle. Kyle Connor, eight see- shots on that. Ooh, I like it. I'm going 5-4 um, in the Toronto game. So you're going to pick that one. I'll go with the Toronto game. I think 5-4 against Toronto there. Can just jump back into that one. And then they end things off with a huge matchup on Saturday, February 19th um, in Calgary. And the reason why this is such a big matchup, Durham, is because it's the, a huge return to the Saddle Dome for a special player on the Kraken, and that's Mark Giordano. Uh, going back home to Calgary uh, for this matchup. So uh, give me your expectations. It's going to be a big night. There's going to be tears. People are going to cry. There's going to be a big video tribute for Giordano, as there damn well should be. Yep. I have no idea how those emotions are going to play into the game. Who's going to win? 
Calgary could be jacked up. Seattle's going to be jacked up. They fucking better be jacked up. Are you kidding me? Oh, man. There's money on the board in this one, right? Yeah, there's probably a few grand up there. Yeah, I, I would think so, too. And, uh, you know, it's another team that they lost against earlier in the year. Uh, I think it was late December there. They lost 6-4. And that was that game where every time they scored, they seemed to give up give up a goal right away. So it'd be a good little redemption game. I know Calgary's a hot team right now. Uh, they're playing some really good hockey as of late. 25-13-6 record currently. So um, we'll see how things play out. But uh, I'm not going to lie, Durham. I think I'm going to put a bet on Mark Giordano scoring in this one. Really? Gio to pop yeah. one. Gio to I score. wonder what he is for the first one. I think he did it in uh, their first matchup. He did do it because he had a three-point night. And then in preseason, when they went there and played Calgary, he scored the first goal in the game in that one too. So um, I'm just getting those vibes, getting those juju vibes that Mark Giordano is, in fact, going to score in that game. So uh, look for uh, you know what, what the money line is on that bet because it could be a good one to hit but we're not gambling advisors. No, we are not gambling advisors at all. Um, but yeah, looking forward to it. The Canadian tour, it's going to be pretty fun. Uh, a lot of, a lot of great games coming up. So looking forward to that, excited for it. And let's just end this podcast off with uh, a little bit of a prospect update, because like we said earlier, there's been some noise being made from uh, these high end prospects that the Kraken drafted last draft there in, uh, in, was it July 2021? It's hard to keep track now, uh, June or July, but I think it was July, right? Yeah, I think the last one was July. Mm -hmm. I think you're right with that one. Yeah, so let's uh, let's start things off with Mr. Olympian himself, Matthew Beneers. Talk about this player for me right now and what has been so impressive with Matthew Beneers. His ability to be versatile, I think. You know, going up to the Olympics here, he's shifted up to their second line. He's moved over to the wing. He's shown he can take face-offs when he's needed to. He's got a goal in three games now. So, you know, that's good for him. First Olympic goal. It's going to be exciting to yeah. see how he does the rest of the tournament because you look back at last year, the World Championships, when he went, he had two points, one and one through six games. We'll see if he can build on that and have a better showing against basically what I assume would be close to the same grouping of players. Yeah, it, it's just crazy. It's like, well, what an opportunity he's getting uh, to play for, you know, the the USA Olympic squad here. And he's looked really good. Like you said, he's already got that first goal. Um, and that last game they played against Canada there, he led all forwards in ice time with uh, over 22 minutes played in the game. So like you said about his versatility, that just shows that it doesn't matter what situation is, is out there on the ice, whether, you know, you're, you're defending a lead, whether you're killing a penalty, whether you're on the power play, I'm pretty sure coaches are very trusting in putting Matthew Beneers on the ice. And that's nothing but good news for, for Kraken fans to hear that. Yeah. He's going to be a guy that just eats minutes at both ends of the ice for Kraken. Yeah. And he's still killing it like crazy with the, his Michigan squad too. Uh, 13 points in his last 10 games that he's played. And that brings his numbers up to 36 points in 28 games this year. So he's uh, he's really producing offensively now after having a bit of a slower start uh, this year for Michigan. Um, so 
so you love to see that because he just continues to develop and look like a like just an, an, an amazing blue chip prospect, one that will be playing in a Kraken sweater this year. Yeah, that's what I'm excited to see is at the end of his college season, how he comes up and does. Yeah, uh, yeah, I cannot wait for that. I'm looking forward to it. Um, let's swing things over to uh, their second round pick from the draft, and that is Riker Evans, uh, the defenseman playing for the Regina Pats in the WHL. Give us an update on him, Durham. Well, he is absolutely dominating offensively. And it's kind of an unexpected jump. I mean, sure, everyone wants to talk about, oh, well, you're in your OA year, you should be kicking ass. But this is a guy who in his last three seasons combined in the WHL had 132 games, 11 goals, and 70 points. Why is that special, Ty? Because this year, he's got 42 games played, already has 11 goals, and 46 points. So he's on pace for 74 points this year. Yeah, those are pretty insane numbers as a defenseman there. And yeah, I think the most impressive thing out of that is uh, his ability to put the puck in the back of the net. I think you mentioned technically his last three seasons, if you put all those games together, he scored 11 goals. And you you take a look and he's just 42 games this year and he's already got 11 goals. that's impressive and that's showing his ability to be able to score more goals as well right yeah he's definitely looking to jump into the offense this year and be more of a leader from the back end going both ways and he's shown that he could do that which i think is a nice final step for a guy in the last year of junior getting ready to come up to be a pro yeah and four of those goals are power play goals too so he's getting it done on the man advantage and showing that he could he could be a potential quarterback to a power play one day uh, when he gets to the pro level wouldn't that be nice rather than later? Yep. Yeah, exactly. And um, where is he? I think he's he's second right now among all defensemen in the in the WHL in scoring. So, uh, yeah, that's another big, you know, big impressive thing coming from him there. And what do you expect next year out of Riker Evans? Is he going to? Is he going to make the jump to the NHL? Is he going to get some NHL games and then play uh, for the Firebirds there? What What do you think? I think he'll be pretty much mostly an AHL defenseman next year. I think that's what would be smartest for him. We seem to have a plethora of NHLD as it is, so I think it'd be better for him to eat minutes on an AHL team rather than kind of fight for time going in and out of the lineup with the NHL guys. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And you know what? Just throw him in the AHL and continue to let his game progress. And no reason to rush him. No reason to rush him up at all, right? So uh, take your time with this guy. Um, he he looks like he's going to be a bona fide NHLer one day, though. I remember how impressed I was with his one preseason game that he he got to play in, uh, you know, at the start of the year. And he made a lot of noise in camp, too. A lot of people were, were, were reporting how impressed he was uh, just looking just in camp alone. So um, excited to see what the future brings for, for Riker Evans. And moving right along here, this is a guy we haven't really been able to talk about because he just has not been playing hockey. But, oh, my God, our third-round pick, Ryan Winterton, out of the the OHL, playing for a pretty good Hamilton Bulldogs team. What a start he has had since returning from his shoulder injury, eh? So right now, he, in 10 games so far, has put up 17 points. 
And that is pretty damn impressive for the lack of hockey that this man has played. Yeah, I mean, anytime you get to come back from a lengthy injury and put up an assist a game, you're doing pretty damn good. It doesn't matter what level you're playing at, but to be able to do that at the OHL and what is essentially your first game action in a year and a half is crazy. It is pretty crazy. And uh, he's looking very, very, very impressive. And yeah, that 17 points in 10 games so far. Um, We only have a 10 game sample and you got to remember this guy didn't play last year at all. Right. The whole 2021 season in the OHL was completely wiped out. His last season was in the 1920, where he had 23 points in 53 games. Um, that probably would have been his 16-year-old year there. So um, pretty impressive, the start that he's already on. And we're going to be keeping a close eye on him and his development going forward, aren't we? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if he's going to be able to go back to what he was. Because back before he got drafted to the O, like he was a scorer, point producer back in midget there. So if he can recapture that touch after that shoulder surgery, that'd be a great steal for the Kraken late in the draft. Oh, yeah. And being on a great team like Hamilton, uh, you know, they have some pretty good weapons on that team. You know, hopefully he's going to continue to play with those great players, play top line minutes. And not only that, but maybe go on a pretty deep playoff run this year. So that that would be really, really good for his development as well. Maybe get a shot at a Mem Cup. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah, the more games he gets in, the better. Exactly, because he he needs them all right now. So, you know, still a young guy, though. Like, he he turns uh, 19 next September. So uh, you string together a really good year this year. And you get off to a hot start next year. This could be a bit of a uh, uh, an underrated guy to potentially get a look on the Canada's World Junior Team next year. Still, yeah, for sure, you could definitely get an invite to summer camp if he has a good finish this year, and then flourish from there. Hmm. Yeah. So excited to see what the future brings for Ryan Winterton as well. So, um, yeah, that basically wraps anything up uh, for this podcast. Anything else you want to talk about while uh, while we're here? No, I think that's uh, I think that's everything we wanted to touch on this week. Nothing cool. popped into my head. No, nothing popped into my head. I think I'm uh, gonna keep down in these Gatorades and uh, maybe pop an Advil or two just to get myself feeling, uh, you know, as tip top as possible for this uh, Super Bowl game and start firing up some snacks and uh, yeah, just enjoy the Sunday. So that pretty much wraps everything up here. So thank you, Germ, for joining. Oh, thanks for having me. Always glad to be here. Always a pleasure having you. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in to episode 21. Join us next week as we break down all three of those Kraken games and, of course, keep you up to date with NHL news and all things Kraken. So have a great week, everyone, and peace out, Kraken Nation.